morning, everyone. We need to fix the clock in the back. Somebody just wants to make sure that the message ends early. But you know that that doesn't work because I don't look at it when I'm preaching. <laughs> it's good to be gathered together today. Uh, let's take a moment and open our service in prayer. Father, thank you that you are here with us today. Father, we thank you for your love and your kindness and your goodness to us. Father, we pray that this time our hearts would be attuned to you, that your spirit would be here present amongst us, and would guide us into closer communion with you. Bless us in this time of worship, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Morning. Call to worship is the responsive reading of Psalm 34, verses 1 to 3, and verse 8. You'll read the part in yellow. I will extol the Lord at all times. I will glory in the Lord. Glorify the Lord with me. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Because we have the podium up here, you four people have to suffer with me leading the hymns with you. <laughs> so our first hymn this morning is number 87, Fairest Lord Jesus. Please stand.
Angelica are announcements. Uh, yesterday was our Hearts Entwined devotional day, and it was a great day. We had 11 of us together for that, and uh, it was beautifully decorated there. Um, Summer and Serena were supposed to be doing it together, but unfortunately, Serena's been sick since Wednesday. And so um, Brenda stepped up and helped out, and it was wonderful. So we had uh, lovely desserts that were really tasty. And then they started us off with a word search, which was a lot of fun. And uh, it was funny how quickly everybody got into it, and it was just quiet as everybody was focusing on the word search. And then there was uh, the devotional that uh, Summer read for us and also led us in some games too. And we got to eat some of that yummy food. And so a, a great big thank you to uh, Brenda and Summer and to Serena as well for all the organization that went into that. Uh, and thank you to everyone that came out for it, too. It was a great day together. Uh, a reminder uh, that next Sunday your annual reports are due. Earlier is okay, too. So you don't have to wait until the last day, like I often do. Um, so I'm going to actually get my report out to Serena today, because I told her I would get it to her by the end of the week. So sometime in my before midnight. Yeah. It may come at 11.59, but yeah, that's my goal for today. Our Lent series for the Tilsonburg Ministerial starts up uh, this week. It's uh, February 22nd. The first one is going to be at Tilsonburg Alliance Church. And you'll note that the time is uh, from 12 till 12.30 p.m. In the past, we've had lunch afterwards, but uh, they've decided that for this year, we're not going to have the lunch afterwards. It's just going to be the actual Lent service together. And so it's uh, for anybody who's interested, and it's always a really uh, good time together as we worship together. And the series this year is based on the road to Emmaus. Uh, I will be speaking on March 8th at Bethel Pentecostal Church. And I'm not sure who's speaking this week, but I know it will be a good message as well. Just because it's such a good series and such a good study, we're now doing the Sermon on the Mount for Sunday School as well. We started off on Lesson 1 today, and uh, as we do in Bible study, we didn't manage to get through the entire lesson, so I thought we were close, but apparently we weren't. It was a long one, and so uh, you're welcome to join us uh, either Sunday mornings at 9.15 for that, or uh, also Thursday mornings at 10 o'clock. Now, in Thursday morning group, we are almost done that study. We have maybe another couple weeks with that study. We'll see how it goes. Coming up next Saturday is the celebration of life for Alma Anderson. And that will, uh, the visitation will take place at 10 o'clock at Ostranders, followed by an 11 o'clock service. And then there will be a reception held at a Cortland Community Center afterwards, probably around noon. Are there any other announcements that need to be brought to our attention today? Okay, thank you. So a reminder that, of course, as we are called to give, God has blessed us so that we can bless others. And God loves a cheerful giver. And so we are encouraged to give to the ongoing work of building his kingdom. And we can do that either through giving with our plates at the back or through online on our website, GoshenBaptistChurch9 at gmail.com. Uh, either way that you choose to give is, is a fine and great way to support the work that we are doing here for God's kingdom. Let's take a moment and thank God for the opportunity to give back to him. Father, we thank you 
that you have blessed us and that you have called us to give and have given us the opportunity to be partners with you in building your kingdom here on earth. So take our gifts, we pray, and bless them. May we give generously, and not out of compulsion, but out of a desire to please you. And Father, help us to be good stewards with all that you give us. In Jesus' name, amen. Next hymn this morning is number 143 in your hymnal. This is my Father's world. Please stand. to our time of praying together. Of course, I mentioned about Serena, and uh, we added her to our prayer list for today. Uh, June Chambers is still in hospital. I did visit her this week again, and uh, she's still about the same. Her recovery is slow. Uh, she had, of course, had a, a leg that had a bone that was broken in it, and so that was, uh, was taking quite a while for that to heal up. But uh, it was kind of nice that when I was in there, uh, Dorothy Fishback came in as well. And so she came to visit, and so that was good. And then also in to see uh, Raymond's sister, Marlene Thompson, as well. It's funny trying to find either of those ladies because neither of them go by their legal first name. And so um, I have to try and remember their, their first names uh, when I go and see them. But 
managed to do that too. And, and she's coming along. I know that she was supposed to have her dye test. Uh, Raymond, do you know if she had her test? <coughs> Tuesday, they're hoping to do that. So uh, they have to make sure that her kidneys are in, uh, in good shape and are strong enough because the dye can be hard on the kidneys. So they do run a dye test for the heart. And so that's what they want to check out for her. Uh, as we mentioned as well, Lynn Aker from Eden Baptist Church, uh, who has been diagnosed with cancer, and we uh, want to be praying for her too. Uh, you can see the other names that we have there, that we people we've been praying for. Is there anybody else that we need to be praying for today? Or are there any praise items that you'd like to share with the congregation? See, your mom's doing well. Awesome. Great. She's, she's up and mobile, and good for her. Praise God. Thank you, Brenda. That's good news. Awesome. Well, you can uh, be, add to your silent prayers today the fact that I didn't get quite enough sleep, so the sermon could be interesting. So we'll uh, just keep that uh, praying that the words actually flow as they're supposed to. I'd appreciate that. Uh, sort of. <laughs> so we, uh, Beth's car had some issues, and uh, our next door neighbor, who's a mechanic, he did uh, tighten one of the tensioners on it, which seemed to make the rattle go away, which is great, uh, until yesterday. And the rattle came back. It's kind of like the cat came back, you know. It wasn't the very next day, but it was, you know, within a couple. And so uh, we're not quite sure what that'll mean, but it's still drivable. Beth made it out, so I imagine that's a good sign that uh, the car's doing okay. <laughs> and then we just trade, you know, which car's going to be in the shop next still, quite frankly. So you know, when they get to a certain age, that's how it works, right? Thanks for asking. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you today, and we are grateful to be here together. We are grateful to be part of this family of faith. Whether we are here in person, whether we are watching online. Father, unite our hearts, we pray. We lift up to you the events of the week gone by. The joys, the sorrows. The difficulties. And the laughter. Father, we are grateful that you have been with us through all of it and will continue to. And so, Father, we lift up these people before you again today. People in need of your care and your touch. People in need of your healing, and your comfort, and your presence. Father, we bring before you today June Chambers, Albert Hardiman, Joel Prouse, Les Craig, Lynn Aker, Zach Hartman, Marlene Thompson, and Serena Vandenberg. Father, we also continue to pray for our sister churches, Hagersville Baptist Church and New Canadian Baptist Father, we do bless them today as they gather to worship you. Father, we do speak to our hearts. 
Could you help us to put aside anything that stands between us and you, between us and hearing your message today? We ask all this in Jesus' name. Next hymn is a nice little short one. The 332, I know about. reading this morning is Matthew 19 verses 16 to 30. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. Honor your father, father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Peter answered him, We have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last, who are last, will be first. Well, thank you, Scott. I don't know if you noticed, but that floor is really creaky up there. <laughs> Today I want to continue on in our series on heavenly-minded. 
And it, of course, is built on the premise that, you know, some people say that some people are so heavenly-minded that they are no earthly good. But in reality, being heavenly-minded is the very source of all earthly good. And we find that heavenly-mindedness comes from Christ. He is the one who teaches us what it is to be truly heavenly-minded. It's funny, we talked about this question in Sunday school this morning. What does it look like to be blessed by God? When you think about that idea of being blessed by God, what comes to mind for you? What do you think of when you think of being blessed by God? I mean, for me, it's nice things, right? You know, like the, it, you have the word nice, and then you have a, a line after Just If you're blessed by God, you're going to have nice things. Maybe it's a nice house, right? Oh, Ooh, they're obviously very, very pious people. Look at that beautiful house that they live in. Isn't it lovely? Obviously, they've been blessed by God. Or maybe a nice vehicle, a nice car or truck. Ooh, they've obviously been blessed by God. They must be really good people. Maybe a nice family, right? Oh, you've been blessed by God. Look at your children. They're so perfect. <laughs> Sorry, does anyone actually have perfect children? Okay, thanks. Um, how about a nice paycheck, right? You know, there are some televangelists that, that will convince you that that's what it's all about, right? I have been blessed by God. Look at my paycheck. Uh, maybe that's what we think of when we think about being blessed by God. You know, the idea that there are no problems or no struggles. Isn't that what it is to be blessed by God? I mean, let's go back and take a look at the Old Testament here. Genesis 24. We're going to look at somebody who is blessed by God. And it's going to line up with some of these ideas for us, too. Not that they had cars back then, just to make that clear. Genesis 24. So in this story here, there is a servant that has gone to find a wife for Isaac. And he's talking about the way that God has blessed his master. Genesis 24, starting at verse 34. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master abundantly, and he has become wealthy. He has given him sheep and cattle, silver and gold, male and female servants, and camels and donkeys. Wow. That sounds like somebody who is blessed by God. Right? Look at all the stuff. Is that what it's about? Or is that what it's about? Is that really all that being blessed is about? Is it about this, this wealth? There are some pastors, some preachers that would teach that. We call it the prosperity gospel. Uh, Joel Osteen, right there? Yeah? Good? All right. Uh, Joel Osteen is, is one who, who loves to talk about the fact that, you know, if you just do the right things. God wants to bless you and give you all this sort of stuff. And he's not alone. There are other pastors, too, that say, if you just do the right things, God is going to give you wealth and health. All sorts of good stuff. What about the rest of us? Does that seem to really add up in our lives? Well, let's go to our passage that Scott shared with us today out of Matthew. As we continue to work through the Gospel of Matthew, I think this is a really 
interesting question, a really interesting situation that came before Jesus. And I think, unfortunately, there's also been a lot of bad theology wrapped around it, too. Because we tend to go to one extreme or the other. Let's unpack it. The young man comes to Jesus. And he has a question. He says, what good thing must I do? Wouldn't we love that, right? If there was only one thing we had to do. I just, what's the one good thing that I have to do to inherit eternal life? Because really, on any given day, even trying to do one good thing might be a stretch. What good thing must I do? What's the key to eternal life? And Jesus, he responds to this guy. I don't know if you caught exactly what Jesus said as Scott was reading. He says, why do you ask me what is good? (laughs) What good thing must I do? Hey, Jesus says, could have said, believe in me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Why do you ask me? It's almost as if the rest of us, you got to go, he, he, he doesn't know who he's talking to. He doesn't know he's the son of God. That's funny. Jesus knows he's got the right person. He says, there is only one who is good. God. Interestingly enough, God in the flesh, who is answering your question for you, do you know whom you are talking to at this moment? You know who I really am. You know who I actually am. I wonder if that went through Jesus' mind in that moment. If that's what Jesus was subtly trying to prod him about. Do you know who I am? And so he says, if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. (laughs) And like a great human being, he asks which ones, right? Come on, you don't mean all of them, do you? Really? No, which, which ones? Which, which are the ones, you know, he starts off with what good thing, singular, must I do? And then, and then he's like, okay, well, which ones? Maybe I'm willing to do a few of them. Which ones? And so he's asking that question. And obviously this guy, he was a person of faith. <laughs> but he'd heard the Torah. He'd read the Torah. He knew there was a lot going on in there. There was a lot that he might have to follow. Does he really want me to follow everything? And so Jesus gives him a list. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. And love your neighbor and yourself. Short list. And he says something good. He says, In Mark's gospel, it tells us that he said, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Good job. Good for you. Mark's gospel also tells us something cool. Something that wasn't captured in Matthew's gospel, that Jesus looked at him and loved him. Here's a guy who, he's doing some things right. Some of it, he's he's after the things of the kingdom. Jesus knew his heart. Now maybe, as a good Bible student and theologian yourself, you're going, well, hang on a second here. I was pretty sure that there are more commandments. You know, I think there's about, what he said, five real of the Ten Commandments, right? We've seen the movie. 
We know that Charlton Heston is Moses. The Ten Commandments, what about the other ones? Why didn't Jesus mention those commandments to the young man at this time? Well, I think it's one of two possibilities. I think it's possible that either the young man did a pretty good job of that stuff, or that what Jesus was kind of going to, again, subtly point out, is that, yeah, you've kept all this stuff, but read between the lines, the other stuff is where you need to work. He did not follow all of them. Jesus knew what was in his heart. Jesus said to him something interesting. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Sell them all and then come and follow me. You'll have treasure in heaven. Does that mean that we all need to sell everything that we have? Does that mean that in everybody's case that, you know, that wealth is wrong, that we should just get rid of it all, just trust God, and he's going to provide for us in every way, shape, and form? Or is there something else that's going on here? You see, there was a commandment that wasn't brought up, that was impacting the life of this young man. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. I think it's very likely that this young man was a Jewish faithful man and he would probably not have any kind of little idols set up or anything that he would worship God. And, and you know, you and I, that's not really our thing in Western culture to do that for most of us. Maybe some of you do have a, a little shrine of Aphrodite at home. If so, we need to talk after church. Um, but for most of us, we're not going to actually have another God that we're worshiping at home. Think about this for a minute. Your God, your real God of your life, is the one that you trust in. Your God, the real God in your life, is the one that you rely on. Your actual God in your life is the one that you cling to. And this man had the opportunity to release that hold he had as he clung to his God. He did not. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Money was his God. Because your God is also the one that you cherish the most above all. You know, there's another commandment that we find next. Exodus 20, verse 4, You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. And while he may not have set up a pile of money and actually bowed down and worshipped to it, in every other way, functionally, it was his God. It stood between him and Jesus. You might be wondering about the other commandments. Well, what about... Did he take God's name in vain? Who knows? Did he, did he break the Sabbath? Hmm. In the Jewish culture, did he love money so much that he worked when he shouldn't have? Did he covet that which others had because he loved money so much? We don't know. But functionally, 
your God is also the one you serve. The one that you put first in your life. And so that day, that young man traded eternal blessings for temporary security. Funny, it's easy for us to get really excited about wealth in this, right? To talk about money and say, well, you know, it's all the rich people. They're the ones that are just corrupt because they have all this money, so they must be corrupt. That's silly. Look at Abraham. God blessed him. And God blessed people. The question is not about whether you have a lot of money or not. The question is, who do you worship? Who's first in your life? Is it the money or is it God? Now you might be thinking, well, Pastor Carl, you know, we all need money. Things cost. You know, we've got to do something about that. You need to be pragmatic and realistic about that. And I understand that. I live that, <laughs> right? But the reality is that sometimes we won't release our hold on things because we like the illusion of control. It's funny, Beth and I have talked about job security. Do you know what job security is? It's an illusion, right? You can have the most grounded, solid business that's been around for years and something goes wrong and poof, it's gone. We like the illusion of control with money maybe even. But did you know that in Cuba they developed a currency called the CUC, the Cuban Convertible Peso, and when we traveled there before that's what the tourists would use. And it had value they stopped using it. We like the illusion of control. And for some of us, whether we want to admit it or not, money is controlling us. I love the fact that on the American money, it says, in God we trust. I don't doubt that for a moment that that's true of all of them. My question is, who is your God? Is it the money? Or is it really the one that's given us all we need? Turn with me, if you will, to Job. Job, of course, is one of my favorites. Um, I just get bonus pastor points because I slept right to Job 31. So if anyone tracks that stuff, that's yeah, better than how I did on yesterday's little uh, test that Carolyn beat me on with knowing your Bible verses. Good job, Carolyn. Job 31, verses 24 to 25. Job was a wealthy man. Job, as a matter of fact, was the wealthiest of all of the men in the land. He had money, sheep, cattle, you name it, except for a car, of course, back then. But he had everything else, right? He was blessed by God. Job had the right perspective. Take a look at this, Job 31, starting at verse 24. If I have put my trust in gold, or said to pure gold, you are my security. If I have rejoiced over my great wealth, the fortune my hands have gained. We're going to go down now to 28. Then these would also, excuse me, these, then these also would be sins to be judged. For I would have been unfaithful to God on high. 
we've been unfaithful to God on high because it is God that gives us everything. As James tells us, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of heavenly lights. It's from God. God gives us the ability to work. God gives us the connections that we have to get the jobs in the first place. Everything we have comes from God. But it's funny, isn't it? As human beings, sometimes we take the things that God has given us and we go, oh, thanks. Thanks for that. Now it's mine. I'm going to do what I want with it. You know what a steward is? A steward has a very important role. A steward looks after somebody else's stuff. And as Christians, as believers in God, we are all stewards of all of our stuff. It's not yours. It's not mine. It belongs to God. Wealth is not always the problem. And maybe it's not what you're wrestling with today. But it's whatever you rely on more than God. about you? Where are you at today? How are you doing with this? Do you have any gods before him? And this is the common question for us as human beings. We constantly have this battle, this tug of war that Satan is trying to pull us away from God into something else. He doesn't care what it is. Did you know that Satan doesn't care what you worship as long as it's not God? You can worship Satan you can worship money. You can worship Buddha. He doesn't care as long as it's not God. Worship yourself. As long as it's not God, he doesn't care. And he will throw everything in our path to try and distract us. So reflect on this today with me. Who or what do you cherish more than God? Who or what do you cling to more than God? Who or what do you rely on more than God? A friend of mine, he was telling me uh, about his own financial struggles that he was having, and so he would buy lottery tickets. And as a Christian, he realized that he had to stop doing that because he realized he'd come to the point where he relied more on the hope that was found in that lottery ticket than actually on God who provides for him. Who or what do you rely on more than God? Maybe this question of who or what do you trust in more than God? Where is your trust today? So I kind of goofed up last week. I included the story of the little children coming to Jesus last week. It was supposed to be part of this week. So if you remember that story, there were people that were bringing children to Jesus to be blessed by him. And the disciples were like, eh, get those little nothings away from here. They don't matter. And Jesus was like, no, 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 let them come. Let them come, because children get it. Children understand that they cannot look after themselves. They rely on somebody else. And they were coming to Jesus for his blessing. We'd like to tell Jesus how we want to be blessed, right? 
And there's this great song, I've referred to it before, I'll refer to it again probably 100,000 times. But anyways, it was from the 80s um, when Christian contemporary music was, was really popular, and it was called The Shopping List. And the idea behind it was that this guy was praying, but as he was praying, he was telling God what he wants. Give me this, I want that. Bless me, Lord, I pray. Grant me what I think I need to make it through the day. Make me wealthy, keep me healthy, fill in what I missed on my never-ending shopping list. And so he wants a, a great, uh, he wants a, a tennis court and a heated pool, and he could use the Lord as a witnessing tool. And on and on and on he goes. We want to try and tell God how to bless us instead of just coming to him and saying, I need your blessing. I trust in you to bless me in the way that you see fit. But I rely on you, not on the blessing. There's the risk. Are you trading eternal blessing for temporary security? That's what we do when we put money or something else there as our God. And our false gods keep us from true blessing. They keep us from the blessing that God wants us to have. God wants to show us true blessing, and that is what is found in him. So today, is there something in your life? What keeps you from greater intimacy with God? Because that's what God wants. God wants to have a good, deep relationship with each of you. He wants to bless you in ways that you can't even fully imagine. And the cool thing is, he hasn't just given us a rule book to follow. He's calling us into a relationship. So today, ask yourself, what keeps you from greater intimacy with God? Is there something there? Take time to reflect on that this week, this day, if you will. Bring them to God let them go. What stands between you and intimacy with God? Those are the things that we need to get rid of so we can be truly blessed by God. Is there something in your life that has a greater importance than following God? It's time to lay that down and give him everything. And finally, there are some evaluative questions that you can ask yourself. When it comes to something and you're wondering, is it a God in my life or, or not? I'm not really sure. And now Pastor Carl's got me all panicked. Well, ask yourself these questions. How much of my mind does it get? Is it on your mind all the time? Is it something that you lose sleep over? How much of my heart does it get? Is it something that you love a lot? Maybe too much. How much of my time does it get? Does it get a lot of your time? Do I rely on it to spark me? You know, to really get me excited? Is it something that, that just invigorates me more than it should? Do I rely on it to sustain me instead of relying on God to sustain me? Do I rely on it to satisfy me? Is this where I derive pleasure from? And does it divert time, talents, and resource, excuse me, and treasure that belong to God? See, I told you words would be a hard time for most of it. Does it divert time, talents, and treasure that belong to God? 
when you know, well, I, I really should be studying the Bible, but I'm going to do this right now. I know I should be in prayer right now, but I'm going to do this instead. That's a red flag. And maybe ask yourself this simple question. What would be the hardest thing to give up for God? Now, Lent has a uh, more of a lasting history in the Catholic world than the Protestant world. But Lent is about giving up something as we prepare for Easter. There's 40 days before Easter where we can give up something. So maybe if there's something in your life that isn't really there, or maybe you're not even sure if it's a problem, maybe it's a time to set that aside for a while. See what life is like without it. funny as we think about this young man. As a young man, I kind of see myself a little bit, unfortunately. Because he's like, I want to know God's will. What good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? And then Jesus says what to do, and you're kind of like, well, not if it's that. <laughs> Yet, you need to be like the children who just came to Jesus to be blessed by him who knew that they had a dependency on him. So let me ask you again, is there something keeping you from eternal blessing? Where do you place your trust? Who or what is your God? Let's pray. Jesus, I can't imagine this situation too clearly. I I confess that there are things in my life that get in the way sometimes of intimacy with you. That you long to bless us in ways that we can't fully imagine. To fill us with that abundant life. And yet we put things in the way. So Father, show each one of us what stands between us and that greater intimacy with you. Help us to let go of it. Help us to leave it behind. And just fully trust you. Because you are a good and loving God. You care for us. You provide for us. And you will never leave us or forsake us. Thank you. final hymn together today we're going to sing is there is a fountain found at number 336 in your hymnal please stand
your God? Or what is your God? Why not exchange all of that for the eternal blessings that Jesus wants to give to you? To go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.